Bibles out this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31. When you get there, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 31. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. We had a baptism last week, so we took a little break from the Sermon on the Mount, but uh, we're going to continue on in verses 31 and 32 this morning. And so let's read that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 says, It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the day. We thank you for the word uh, that we've read today. Uh, Lord, for this entire Sermon on the Mount that Jesus uh, preached and that was uh, written into uh, these chapters of Matthew. And God, we ask that as we continue through them, that you would continue to guide and direct to, uh, to shape our lives, to make corrections where they need to be made, to give encouragement where it needs to be given, and, uh, and Lord, to bring enlightenment uh, to help us to see and understand what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that if there is one here today that doesn't know you as Savior, uh, if they have not yet become a part of this kingdom, that you would show them their need for Christ, that they would turn to you in repentance uh, of their sin and trust you as Savior today. And, uh, and God, for those of us who have... I pray that you would help us to understand the great privilege that it is to be a part of this kingdom and what that means to our marriages or if we're single, uh, what it's going to mean to our marriage uh, when we are married. And God, we're just so thankful for every blessing you shed upon us. I pray that you would give me the words to say today, use them for your honor and glory, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about the Christian and his marriage today, and uh, I will place the same disclaimer on, uh, on this message as I have on several of the other ones, that just because I get to preach it doesn't mean I've mastered it yet, okay? And if you don't believe me, then ask my wife, she'll tell you, I have not mastered uh, the subject of marriage yet. Uh, but we're working on it, and it is a work in process, uh, or progress, I guess is what we should say. Now, as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we, we have had our minds focused on a kingdom. A kingdom that is in the world, but that is not of the world. A kingdom that is ruled by Christ and consists of his followers. And the people of Israel also were seeking and waiting for a kingdom. And when Jesus came and, and he was proclaimed to be the Christ, they were waiting. Lord, when are you going to sit on the throne? And when are you going to rule here uh, from Jerusalem and, and make this into the kingdom of God? But he told them the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is already at hand. And this was not going to be a physical kingdom, but it is a kingdom uh, in which God reigns in the hearts of his people. And so this was going to be a global reign as the gospel was taken to all nations, as people turned away from their sin and their false gods to the true living God, as they trusted Christ and, and, uh, and began to, uh, to grow in their relationship with him that there would be a global kingdom where uh, Christ, of course, was the king. It is the reign of God in the hearts of his people. We have seen through the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, we've seen what the kingdom people are to be. The Beatitudes show us that 
the kingdom people are to be those who are emptied of their own righteousness and instead who are filled with God's righteousness. That's why the first several Beatitudes uh, talk a whole lot about us emptying ourselves, about us being poor in spirit and mourning over sin and being meek and all those other things. But then, as we hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, as He fills us with His righteousness, we begin to see His righteousness displayed in our lives and uh, in our being. And so, that's what the people of are to be. As we continue on, we also saw the people of God are to act as salt and light in the world, as we found in verses uh, 13 down through 16. And now as we look through Jesus' six illustrations, we see how the kingdom people are to behave in this world. And as we look at marriage and divorce today, we must keep in mind that we are not looking at this subject of marriage and divorce from society's perspective, because I guarantee you, society has a much different view on Marriage and society has a much different view on divorce than what, uh, than what God does. And so we're not looking from society's perspective, but we are looking at it from a kingdom perspective. Now, before we get into these verses, and let me say that the words in these verses are very strong, okay? The, uh, the language in these verses are very strong. But let me tell you, before we go any further, that you cannot change the past. Okay? The past is in the past, and... You can't do anything about the past, but you can sure do something to think about right now and about the future, okay? So everybody turn to the person next to you and tell them you can't do anything about the past. All right. I saw most of you do that. That was, that was great participation. I appreciate you doing that. But it's true. You can't do anything about the past, okay? That, that is in the past, but we can do something about now, and we can't do something about the future, and that's what we want to focus on as we look at these verses today. Now, as we look at Jesus' words, he says in verse 31, he says, you have heard it said. It's something that he has mentioned in all of these illustrations as he started with anger and as he continued on uh, to, uh, to adultery and all those other things. Uh, we've seen him use the same language, and he uses it here, verse 31, he says, it has been said, and this is, this is what has been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Jesus again begins with this teaching by making a contrast to the teachings of the ancient rabbis who were the teachers of the Old Testament at the time. Now, in the Old Testament, divorce was permitted for certain reasons. But because the lines were not clearly drawn concerning the reasons of divorce, some rabbis or teachers took it upon themselves to help interpret the issue. And so you'll look back through the Old Testament, and yes, it talks about marriage, and there are a couple places where it, it talks about a divorce. If, if, something is, you know, if a divorce has to take place, it gives some instructions there. But because there's not an extensive so, writing on marriage and divorce in the Old Testament, what it did is it kind of opened again alarms there with some of the teachers because some people are going to be really strict to the rules that are there, and some of them are going to play with the market. I mean, they're going to stretch those things out as far as they can. And so we kind of had two schools of thought back in Jesus' day about divorce. One of those was is that you don't get divorced. Don't divorce. Okay? The other one was is that divorce is okay and, uh, and really any reason, any justified reason was okay to divorce to give a, a writing of divorcement to your wife. So if you didn't like the way that your wife 
cooked or if she burnt food too much or whatever it may be, you could actually go to the, to the uh, magistrate and, and have a letter that says, I don't like my wife's cooking, I want to trade it for another. And hand that in and you could get a divorce and go find another wife. Now that is, that's literally <laughs> some of the things that happened then. That was one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons you could uh, divorce. Uh, as a matter of fact, some had taken this opinion that a man could divorce his wife for any good reason. So it could be the cooking, if she didn't clean the house like he wanted it, whatever it may be, he could get out of the marriage for any good reason. It is said that, uh, as I've already mentioned, that if a man did not like his wife's cooking or she burned it too often, he was free to divorce her. Uh, I think, of course, that uh, our marriage statistics would be way higher if, uh, if that was the case, you know, with, uh, with divorce today. Um, and I know the wives are going to all have a talk with me after we get done here. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, I don't think it's maybe as, as simple today, but uh, statistics definitely do show that somewhere around 50% of marriages are ending in divorce and that may itself may be a conservative number. There, there may be significantly more that are ending a divorce, or maybe even the marriages, they don't go through a divorce, but they will separate and live apart from, from one another for a period of time uh, in this situation. Many couples enter into marriage today with no idea about the hardships and the struggles that every marriage experiences. And I fear that many couples enter into the marriage covenant with the full expectation that if things don't work out, that they'll just get divorced, that there's no harm, no foul. If we find out we don't like each other in a couple of months, we'll just get divorced, you know, and, and we'll start over and everything's just going to be fine. But I want you to understand that no divorce is really that easy. You may enter in thinking that it's going to be a nonchalant type thing, no pressure. If we if it doesn't work out, we'll just split up. But I'm telling you, none of them work that easy. Now listen, you may be here today and, and you're not married. I know we have some singles that are here today. Uh, but maybe there's a hope that in the future you're going to be married. So listen to the things that I'm saying today. You need to know some of this stuff before you uh, enter into marriage. This, this needs to be something that you're fully aware of. Now, a couple of years ago, there was a movie that came out. Uh, I don't know if you have watched it or not. It's called Fireproof. It's about marriage. Uh, it's about much more. Anybody can get something out of it, but uh, it is primarily about marriage. Matter of fact, uh, just, just for a commercial here, someone actually loaned me a copy of Fireproof not too long ago for the purpose of me loaning it to anyone who hasn't seen it. So if you haven't seen Fireproof and you want to watch it, I have the DVD in my office, and it's, it's there for you to watch. Uh, just be sure to bring it back, but... I encourage you to watch that movie. But somewhere in that movie, um, there was an illustration that was given. And uh, these are all firemen. All the guys are firemen in the movie. And so uh, one of the firemen is, is talking to the star of the show. And, and uh, Kirk Cameron is the one that stars in this movie. And his character has been in some marital, had some marital problems and situations. They were really, really, really considering divorcing. Uh, and in fact, that is why I think they made up her mind about this. And there was just an illustration that was given. The, the gentleman that was speaking with him had, I believe, been through the divorce before and, uh, and was happily married at the time. But, uh, but anyway, he, he went and got a salt and pepper shaker and he sat down on the table and he glued, super glued, the hot, uh, the, the salt and pepper shakers together. And of course, Kirk Cameron's character is, is looking at him like, 
what are you doing? You know? and, and he says, well, I'm, I'm going to show you something. So uh, he, said, he said, listen, these have been joined together now. He said, no matter which way you pull or which way you try, you can't pull these apart without one or the other or both breaking. They're, they're going to have to break in some way in order for, uh, you know, for them to be disjoined. And he was just bringing the illustration that when a couple enters into marriage with one another, that they are bound together. I mean, there is a covenant. They are they're not only bound by a piece of paper, which is what many people say that all marriage is that is a piece of paper, but they have entered into a spiritual uh, relationship with one another as well. They are spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all those things connected with one another. And there's no way to pull those apart without one or the other or both being broken in the process. <laughs> Marriage is something that is supposed to be permanent. It is to be for a lifetime. And it is to be between a man and a woman. It is for these reasons that I always require couples to go through premarital counseling. I highly recommend couples... Uh, even who are having marital struggles or conflicts that are not being managed properly, to seek Christian marriage counseling. It's so important. Now, I'm going to talk about this for just a second, then we're going to move on. But I want to say that there are many couples who are too ashamed to seek counseling because it opens the window to their imperfect marriage. People say, well, if I get counseling, then the pastor or the counselor or somebody's going to know that our marriage is not perfect. I want to fill you in on the secret. They already know that. Okay? Because there is no perfect marriage. Every marriage is going to have problems. Every marriage is going to experience conflict. And if the couple is not able to, to work out those conflicts in a healthy manner themselves, there is absolutely nothing wrong with them seeking counsel. As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs will tell you over and over again, get counsel. Get advice. Seek wisdom. And that wisdom, of course, is going to point you in the right direction. It's going to give you the help that you need. I believe also uh, there is some kind of, uh, I don't know, just this, this mindset that goes with, if I go to a counselor, it means something's wrong and, and all those other things. But I, I want to you listen to this. I would much rather you talk to a counselor now. I would much rather you talk to a counselor now. It doesn't have to be me. Find a Christian counselor if you're having marital issues. I would much rather you talk to a counselor now than talk to a lawyer next year. Don't be so prideful right now to work on your marriage that, that you wait a year and then it's there's no way to repair it. Or wait a couple of years and, and it's irreparable. Seek wisdom and seek counsel. Now let's look at Jesus teaching on divorce in verse 32 for just a moment. He says, But I say to you that whosoever should put away his wife, save for the, the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. I want you to understand that this is Jesus' sermon, okay? I'm just relaying it. So if you have any tomatoes or anything that you want to chunk at me uh, throughout the rest of this sermon, understand I didn't write this. God just led me to preach it, okay? So just keep that in mind. Save your tomatoes for lunch, and, uh, and we'll be able to move on. 
Now, in the New Testament, I find only two permissions for a, a marriage to end, and that is death and, as we find here, fornication. When a man and a woman are joined together in marriage, they become one flesh. That's what Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says. It talks about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, you know, a man forsakes his wife, and, uh, and they become one, or become one flesh. And, and uh, so that's how it was from there on out, that a man and a woman, when they were married, uh, they, they were to function and become as, as one. Uh, when a person's spouse dies, uh, in that sense, the oneness between them has been broken. And so when he or she is ready to marry again, then, of course, the Bible, I believe, points out many, many places that they are free to do so. There's nothing wrong with that once they have healed and uh, to a point that they're ready to marry again. Now, in the other example that we have, as we find in verse 32, uh, Jesus says that if any man shall put away his wife except for the cause of fornication, he causeth her to commit adultery. Now, the word fornication that we find here comes from the Greek word porneia. Uh, this is a different word than we find for adultery a little bit later. And this word, pronea, refers to any kind of, uh, of sexual immorality. The physical relationship between a husband and a wife, I want you to understand, is holy and acceptable to God. And it is part of what binds them as one. And so when a spouse steps outside of the marriage to find fulfillment in another, that flesh or that oneness between them is broken. In essence, he or she has become one with another who is not their spouse. And he says, when this is the case, then divorce is uh, sometimes necessary and, and it's absolutely permitted at this point. Now, any time that I've ever talked about this subject or discussed this subject with someone else, People always want to go to the extreme. And the question will come back, so you're saying that death and adultery are the only two reasons why a couple can be divorced. And so, uh, you know, they'll come up with those questions and then they'll throw out some, some doozies. I mean, you know, well, what if this and this and this and this and this, and this happens, then is it okay? And, uh, you know, I, I always have to answer with Scripture. Uh, someone is inevitably going to ask, is there not another reason for a couple to get divorced? Well, I want to say this very carefully. If your spouse is committing a criminal act against you, or if your life is in danger by staying with them, then I personally can see divorce as being understandable. However, the way that your wife cooks, the way that your husband snores, those little things that they do that drive you crazy, and even falling out of love with your spouse is not. Plausible. <laughs> okay? Now, these will get you a legal divorce in America, but they are not valid reasons in the kingdom is what we're talking about. Let me, let me uh, expound on something here for just a moment, though. I often hear about couples they just they drifted apart from one another. Or they had fallen in love with one another, but then after several years of marriage they realized that they had fallen out of love with one another. And 
or in future marriages. If you're single and you haven't been married yet, these are things that need to be in there, okay? And I, I want to just name these out, three things, just very quickly. Three things that must be in your marriage. First of all, Christ must be at the center of the relationship. Christ must be at the center of the relationship. If feelings is what is at the center of the relationship, then when those feelings go bad, guess what's going to happen to the marriage? If attraction is at the center of the marriage or at the center of the relationship, guess what's going to happen when the attraction flees or if it flees? If the marriage is built upon an emotional connection or emotional feeling, as I said before, then when that feeling is stressed, the marriage is going to suffer. But when Christ is at the center of the relationship, it's going to stand. Christ must be at the center of the relationship. Number two, I want you to understand that conflicts are part of every marriage. And so the question is not whether you're going to have conflicts. The question is how you're going to deal with those conflicts. Now, if Christ is at the center of the marriage, then you're going to deal with those conflicts in patience and in love and understanding. You're going to love your wife. The wives are going to love and respect their husbands, as Ephesians talks about. And, uh, and the conflicts are going to get worked out. But you must understand that conflicts are part of every marriage. How you deal with them is important. Third thing, spend time in meaningful communication with your spouse every day and quickly throw out anything that might hinder that. Listen, I have seen in our family, it's something that we struggle with, and I have seen it in other families where they know it or not.